Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of The Law and Finance Show, and today we have a great guest on because we're talking about something that a lot of lawyers probably weren't prepared for, and that is really understanding the marketing, messaging, like that aspect of everything that involves with that that is essential to you growing your law practice and growing it efficiently and effectively, but those weren't things that you were probably taught in law school. So we're bringing on a co-founder that is doing some great work, working with a ton of law firms of really helping them make some of the mental switches and really helping educate the industry to get much better at this so that running your law firm becomes less of a headache and something you actually enjoy more of. So stay tuned for today's episode. So without further ado, let me bring my guest, Daniel, on. Welcome to the show, Daniel. How are you? Thanks, Terrell. How are you doing? I am great, man. I'm great. Well, definitely a pleasure to have you. And I'm looking forward to jumping into, you know, the awesome things that Law Broker is doing and the way you guys are really helping people, you know, really transform the way they think in the industry. But before we jump into those details, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, well, thanks again for having me. I must say that's one of the best introductions on a podcast I've seen. <laughs> so fun. Uh, it fires fires me up just getting on here. So thanks again and uh, really looking forward to this session. Um, so yeah, let me give you a little bit about my background. Uh, my background stems from an accounting degree, uh, flowed into some sales at an advocacy marketing firm selling uh, advocacy software, advocacy marketing, all around reputation management, reviews, community software that ultimately helped grow B2B software companies. Um, and then I got introduced to the legal industry. I got super lucky and uh, began to run partnerships at one of the largest legal tech companies in North America called Clio. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, look it up. I'm sure all of you have if you're listening to this podcast. Um, but I ran partnerships there for about two years. So I worked with counting partners like yourself that were helping to operationalize law practices in a magnitude of different ways. Um, and then I also helped manage the app ecosystem. The way that we looked at Clio was Clio was that core operating system for a law practice. And there was a bunch of different systems that plugged into it, depending on size of firm practice area to really help uh, the, the core efficiencies throughout the law practice. So I got the opportunity to work with a ton of different tech companies that ultimately helped law firms thrive. And uh, the, the you know, greatest opportunity I had was to work with Google on how to digitize law firm storefronts, uh, which is really how I parlayed a, a career into my new business of law broker, which was I found that there was this gap for solo and small practitioners to really stand out and be in control of their own demand through traditional channels like Google, um, typical legal marketplaces and things of that nature. So uh, I got exposed to the legal industry. I got to work with hundreds of law firms throughout my time at Clio. And I, uh, I decided I'd carve my own path and change my career trajectory and really work with uh, firms from my background in advocacy marketing through to supporting law firms to really be in control of their own demand. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a really awesome opportunity and I'm really glad I'm here. 
Awesome. Now, now, one of the things I'm curious is as you kind of navigated through that journey of like the marketing advocacy and, you know, the journey of technology as it related to law firms, you know, when you were talking to lawyers, did it seem like you were speaking a foreign language when you were trying to help them understand what you do? <laughs> You know, Trill, it's not fair because you're going to make me offend people when they listen to this, uh, <laughs> when they listen to this podcast. Um, it's not so much of a foreign language. Actually, it is then a mind shift in the way that they operate their practice. I think that um, there hasn't been this in intersection point within the legal industry for a very long time. And the way that I look at it is the modern practice is the one that's trying to revolutionize the way that their law firm operates and becomes more of an industry leader than it does working so much in the past, which was more referral oriented. Um, you know, there's there's someone hanging up their own shingle every single day and the pandemic proved that. So um, because it's such a saturated industry, and I know you, you read one of my blog posts that I built the other day around the power of diversification, but we've bred in the legal industry, one of the most competitive natured industries from client acquisition perspective, because there's so much opportunity for people to open up their own practice and thrive. Um, and it's not so much that it's a foreign language than it is who's thinking differently to really capture that consumer attention so that they can grow their practices. Um, and really what it stems from is who wants to cultivate the best customer experiences? If we think about 2022 and the world we live in right now and every single type of consumer good that we interact with, the ones that thrive, the one that wins are the really strong customer experience platforms that ultimately make things easy for the customer. Um, and we need to think about that the same way as law, right? We're in professional services. Um, everyone is still interacting with a consumer good, whether we think about it like that or not. And I like to allude to different technologies throughout everyday consumer lives when I speak to lawyers to really take a shape of how we should be thinking about it in the legal industry. So it's more of a mindset shift than it is a foreign language. Um, and it's definitely an education factor that I enjoy talking about. Awesome. You know what? That's one of the things that I've found as I've interviewed so many different business owners is, you know, when you have kind of that mix of that passion for, hey, educating you know, the players in the industry to make some of those mindset shifts while at the same time trying to run a business yourself. You know, how has that process been for you as far as, you know, educating people to the value that you're helping them realize while at the same time say, managing your own, hey, revenue and cash flow demands? Yeah, it's a really... um interesting problem space to solve for and i think you have to take it uh take what you you get with it right um if you're very revenue focused it's very hard to win in an industry like legal because we're not at that disruptor point where things are all of a sudden snap let's go um and we're ready to take off there is still this educational lever now there used to be this 10-year gap of technology interaction and change and we've seen that shift come down to almost like a two-year gap where people are now you know more inclined to adopt technologies and other softwares for their firm to make them more efficient and you know COVID helped bridge that gap but at the end of the day um, it's really important to look at things from a different perspective if you want to thrive. And I personally think that 
education in this market is the way to revenue and not vice versa. Um, you don't want to push something down someone's throat in order to succeed. If we can educate the market and lucky for me, I get to educate two sides of the market. So talk about really battling those two challenges, but there's consumer problem and a lawyer problem. And they both start with an education um, and learning opportunity because I do believe that if we take an education first approach, that's where we succeed. And that's where we help law firms thrive. Uh, we're very, very mission driven. Um, I know this is not a, a law broker talk, but we're very mission driven. And I think the power of being mission driven stems from educating and making sure that we're really bridging that gap towards the real problem, which is 77% of you know legal problems just don't receive legal assistance. And we believe we're at such an inflection point in our business that when a consumer needs legal representation, we're helping bridge that gap. So if we can educate both sides of the market, revenue will come with that. But it, it, it really takes that spearheading approach first and foremost in order to succeed, in our, in our opinion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting you say that because as you were talking about, you know, how, you know, it's not just a, you know, hey, I put up an ad and it converts into revenue, like the revenue cycle is a bit longer. And I, and I find that the same thing, similar thing with accounting firms is because there has to be this trust factor that's developed, you know, more than just buying someone going to a store, buying a consumer product. Um, the trust factor isn't as high as a, hey, I'm hiring this lawyer to represent my personal matters. So you know, even for yourself, as you kind of, you know, talked about, you know, the advocacy and the reputation, were there any things that really sparked for you that made it click for you that, hey, this is a this may be a little bit of a longer sales cycle. So really, we need to take the angle of education instead of just trying to push more, more, you know, promotion of yeah. going the route of education. Yeah, um, it's a good question. I actually, uh, our software specifically is not a elongated sales cycle. We're a very, um, we're a very transactional type of product and we do that purposefully. We want to be a low cost barrier to entry because part of that actually stems with education. We believe that if we're a low cost solution that can help law firms thrive, then at the end of the day, we're educating them on how to create and cultivate really strong customer experiences. So it actually plays nicely into how do we use software to educate lawyers on the power of diversification and marketing spend. Um, and, and it goes back to, you know, what we spoke about originally, which was, you know, around this recent blog I posted around uh, the power of diversification and the way that lawyers need to think about things when selling their services. And part of the way that I've, I've noticed in conversations that I've had with some of the lawyers on our platform and lawyers in general is the expectation is that everyone converts. And if you don't, then I'm going to move on to the next individual because I, I only have so many hours in a day. And it's true. Lawyers are extremely busy and it's exhaustive and they have a ton of work to do from an admin perspective, from net new client acquisition perspective, current client acquisition and so forth. But we tend to forget that sales cycle is actually a thing and lawyers need to start thinking about the power of communication and automation flows and educating their own prospective clients because if you can create that consistent communication even if that client doesn't sign a retainer on demand but you set up automation flows that 
you know, allow you to educate the client on why they should come back to you or things like that, it almost creates this web effect that actually becomes your most lucrative asset. Um, and just because you get a no today is probably because a consumer is uneducated on why they need a lawyer. For example, I'm in Canada, 51% of Canadians don't have a will. It's probably wow. worse in the US. And the reason for that is a lack of education on the consumer market, right? Consumers don't even know how much lawyers should should charge. They, they have this sticker shock um, every time they jump into a lawyer's office. But if we look at things from a enterprise sales perspective and think about it as I'm going to continue to educate this consumer so that they do come back to me or when they are ready, they come to my firm versus others, I think is a really important factor that we start we should start to think about within the legal industry because that will put you in the top 1% of client acquisition, even if it's not on demand. Um, and I think that's what's really powerful and important. Now, as you kind of help, you know, more law firms kind of understand the value of that, like, you know, say having that automation, being able to keep that relationship alive with someone who is a maybe they're not a, a definite no, but they're a maybe not right now. But tire, then, a tire kicker, we call them. <laughs> yeah. So let's say if a person's a tire kicker, like how are law firms responding when you're helping them understand like, hey, we should probably take a, a automated educational route of just, hey, giving them more insight, helping them become more educated about the value that you can deliver. Like how are lawyers responding to that approach? Yeah, I don't want to talk for every lawyer. And I, I, I love the lawyers on our platform because they do think differently and more innovative and, and are focused, really honed in on that customer experience. And that's the power of our software. But when I think about the industry in general, um, I think the sentiment is is really if someone says no because they're a tire kicker, well, we have to let them be and, and it is what it is. And hopefully they do come back to us. But um, there is this notion of shopping around and that consumer has probably spoken to five lawyers and is a tire kicker across all five. Um, and it's really about how do you differentiate yourself so that you're the one of the five that they come back to when they actually do purchase legal services. Um, and it's all about relationships. Every single lawyer knows that this industry is relationship based, but it's not how much someone likes you. It's actually how much you can tell them or support them through the legal journey, because it's a scary thing to go through a legal problem. Um, you do it, I think the, the statistic is one to three times in your life, you go through a legal matter, whether you're buying a house, getting a marriage contract, getting a will, etc. These are not commoditized goods. So if we think about the way that we buy specific goods and services, we should have that same position on how we sell goods and services. And we want to cultivate those same experiences for our customers. So that means educating consistently um, and more often and being a little bit better than that person next door because it's a saturated space. Um, there are a lot of lawyers that are competing for that exact business. And if you're a tire kicker and you believe that that legal case needs to be tended towards, then I think consistency and communication is absolutely key. And it, it does start back to the beginning of this conversation, which is Law brokers not just educating people. Lawyers also need to educate the end consumer, and that's how we'll succeed and, and thrive. You know, I, I think that that's so you know so important because I, as you were talking, I was thinking about you know a, a conversation I had with 
you know, a family law um, attorney. And he was just talking about, you know, just the reality of some of the things that are going through people's mind when they're, you know, they're coming to you as a lawyer and saying, hey, I need some help with this, this, you know, this matter to where there's so many different misconceptions that they walk in the door with to where I can understand why a lot of people may be kicking the tires or hesitant because like I said, there's such a wide gap in like they just don't know what to expect. But that education that you talked about seems like a, a great way to kind of help bridge that gap for them. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, a lot of consumers are just scared and they hear, you know, X dollars an hour and they're like, Mm, you know what, I'm going to, I can't afford it. I don't need a legal representation anymore. And it's like, well, hey, consumer, where are you going to go if not for here? Um, because it's not like lawyers, uh, you know, their their hourly rates don't trend in like a magnitude of different ways, right? If you're working with a massive law firm, maybe, but when you're looking at solo and small practices, they tend to be on par and they understand the industry standard. So if not me, who? Um, and the only reason consumers think that way is a lack of upfront education. If you've never used a lawyer before, then how should you know that it's $350 an hour, $400 an hour, $500 an hour? There's this sticker shock scenario, but it's because no one told them better. Um, I went through legal matters when I started this company and I, I was shocked myself, but I knew it had to be done. Right. Um, and the only reason I was surprised was I just didn't know the cost of legal representation. Um, it's not something that you educate yourself on because it's not an everyday consumer good. So by simplifying experiences for customers and really taking that customer first approach is so integral to not only just acquire new clients, but also I do believe that it's in everyone's best interest to strive towards that one goal, which is how do we reduce the complexities so that there's more legal problems solved for by legal representation? Um, because there should be, everyone deserves the right to have at least a conversation with legal representation for a potential problem. Awesome. Awesome. So I want to talk a little bit more about, you know, law broker and when it comes down to that business, you know, you started it because, you know, you, you had the idea and you saw an opportunity. What's, what has it been like for you of going from that original opportunity that you've seen to actually allowing it to evolve and really getting to know the clients that are on your platform? Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, there's, it obviously comes with challenges, but to think about the way that we built our business and with everything we have in mind to build with simplicity and education so that we don't create this experience for lawyers and consumers that create confusion and complexities is, uh, is something that is so, um, nice to see and you're impacting law practices. Some of, you know, I talked to some of the lawyers and they're like, you've driven me more business than I've gotten from my law firm in a year or opportunities, not necessarily business, right? Because not everything closes right away. Um, or you see people all of a sudden interacting with consumers and providing them education up front about what this matter means. How do they solve this pain and how do they solve this problem? And the way that we've branded our business is, we are a customer experience platform powered by lawyers. We are we take a customer first approach. And in legal, a lot of legal tech solutions solve for the lawyer problem because that's their revenue stream. And it is for us as well. But 
we believe that if we take that customer first approach, consumers that consume goods and services want the experience for them and not necessarily the person on the other side. So we try and bridge the gap for both and it meets the consumer expectations right in the middle because of that. So it's been really nice to see. And I, I mean, we're still in our early days and we're still trying to iterate our product and take in as much feedback as possible to ultimately make it the best lawyer experience and customer experience as possible. Um, and we're a long ways away from that, but building something from a vision to a product out in production and actually getting, you know, users onto the platform that think differently, that are the modern lawyer um, that are looking to expand their business and grow is, uh, is, is a great, is, is a really awesome thing to see. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, and I think that that is so important because right now I think we are seeing it more and more in any form of business. And, and I would say, especially with service-based businesses, because service-based businesses seem like we've been behind the eight ball as far as, you know, changing and evolving. But I think that as we've seen, like I, I heard someone give a talk once and they were talking about how, you know, the impact of Amazon and how, like whenever you go into Amazon, the entire store is adjusted to fit your specific needs and mm -hmm. it was like you know that's one of those things where they're really focusing on improving that customer experience and then when i think about a lot of service-based businesses like law firms and even accounting firms or even medical practices to where it's just like have we adopted that concept of really focusing on improving the customer experience so that's that's awesome that you guys are focused on that yeah. It, it Again, it comes back to that whole education front. I, I think we're starting to, um, and the industry understands that it's needed and they're looking for different types of solutions to solve for it, right? Um, I always try and allude back to things that consumers and lawyers are consumers of goods and services. So um, you have to look at everyone as you are that consumer, no matter what. And I try and uh, compare and contrast what a software like maybe Law Broker is to other things that people consume every day. And my favorite one is think about the way that you eat and you consume food. You can either go to the restaurant and pick up delivery. You can go to the restaurant and eat, or you can leverage, uh, you know, a software like an Uber eats, a DoorDash, a skip the dishes and however other many there are in the U S alone. Um, and the idea is, is that, you have used and done each one of those very things. And the idea of that does play back to this power of diversification, which is you as a law firm, you as an accountant, you as a business owner need to be everywhere that a consumer might be because they shop in a magnitude of different ways. I, one of the best things I always hear is I want the consumer to come to my law firm's website. <laughs> and that's right, because that's your lowest cost that's your lowest cost per acquisition if a consumer finds you. But if they don't come to your website and you're not on a tool like a Google or a legal marketplace or a law broker, anything in between, what happens is, is consumers shop in a magnitude of different ways. So if they're not coming to your website and you're a consumer like Daniel Steinberg that orders Uber Eats, well, I'm probably also a consumer that is going to consume a, a platform that also replicates the situation like an Uber Eats. And I think that's really important for, um, and that really resonates with lawyers, right? You need to think about 
how you shop in every single day goods and how you can replicate that for your own business. Uh, it doesn't just stem to law firms. It's across the board, right? And I think every industry needs to think that way in order to capture as much consumer attention as possible. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Well, if people are interested, where can they find you online? Yeah, you're welcome to come to our website to learn more, lawbroker.com, L-A-W-B-R-O-K-R.com. You can add me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash dsteinberg9, or you can go follow our page, uh, linkedin.com slash IN slash lawbroker. So any one of those sites, you can find us. You're welcome to email me at daniel at lawbroker.com. Let's just start a conversation. It, It has nothing to do with whether law brokers right for you or not. Um, if you want to learn how to diversify your practice, if you want to learn tidbits about the way that we think about things differently, um, let's start the conversation. Feel free to reach out and uh, we'll be happy to do so. Awesome. Well, one final question I love asking every guest that comes on is, you know, when you think about your journey of where you've been and where you are now, you know, what's one piece of wisdom that you would share with other law firms? That's a, uh, that's a really good question. Um, something that I, I, I think about often when we um, build at our business is think about the bigger picture. Um, I think a lot of people look at small milestones as very big wins, um, but we need to think about things at a macro level. Uh, same reason why you are going to thrive as a business owner is you have to see the big picture and then strive towards that. So many milestones striving towards a bigger picture goal is ultimately how you succeed and thrive and get to where you want to be. But don't be short-sighted because there's a lot of opportunity when you think about things at a broader level. Um, and as soon as you think things at a you know a quarter-by-quarter quarter basis or month-by-month month basis, it becomes hard and, and challenging to really grow and operate your business. So I'm a big believer in thinking about things at a macro level versus micro level and then building on micro functions to get to that macro level. Um, and I, I, you know, I would recommend that to any, any business owner, whether you're a law firm or you're, you know, you're you, Terrell. Um, I think thinking about things at a broader picture is how you thrive and how you get to the, to the end goal. Awesome. Well, hey, Daniel, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the show. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You just checked out the Law and Finance Show, where we bring you great, insightful interviews that talk about the business and the financial side of managing a law firm. So subscribe to the show and check out more of the great interviews.